Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, episode number 564 for September 23rd, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, we are on a Programming by Stealth week with Bart Bouchatz for Programming by Stealth installment 63 of X. We going to have fun today, Bart? I hope so. <laughs> Certainly the intention. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I worked really hard on my homework. I spent a ton of time and I had a ton of fun and I didn't get done and I'm really bummed. So I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to not listen to you when you tell us how to finish because I really want to do it myself. <laughs> so much fun. That's really hard as a co-host. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. If you hear me saying, la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't work, but uh, I did really have fun, and I I, I managed to um, I I can get the close button on the uh, on the alerts and by choice, and you can put as many close buttons as you want. You, which is probably not what you intended, but you didn't tell us it couldn't do that, right? I'm very confused how the, the how 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 that's possible because nothing <laughs> should happen until you hit create alert, right? Well. That's the thing. Mine creates the alert, and then you can go back and tell it, now give me a close button. And it goes, close button, close button, close button, close button, put as many as you like. How? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe before I fix it, I'll show you. I'll yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, because I'm trying to imagine the UI to even do to, to do that, <laughs> because you have a form where you tell the alert you want, and then a button to make the alert. So once you've made the alert... But I've somehow got the the close button happening after the uh, able to happen after the alert, which I didn't mean to do. Yeah, this is th- th- this is where I continue to go. How? <laughs> I'm just that good, Bart. I just figured that out. Okay, because that's that's a way harder assignment than the actual assignment I said. It's yeah. doable, yeah. clearly. Um, but th- th- that's actually a more difficult task. But I did get my, my heading text and my body text. Uh, I will have a question when you get into that part, though. I don't think I did it. I did okay. it in a clumsy way. So uh, we should probably get stuck into your solution and uh, then I'll go, oh. Okay, well, we'll just set the scene first, I guess. Okay. So last time we made a start on bootstrap forms. Um and we learned that we group our stuff into form groups and that if you're using checkboxes or radio buttons, you put them into form-checks as well as into the form groups. And then we learned that we could do them sort of stacked on top of each other by default or we could have them as inline or radio buttons. And that's sort of where we left it. So it was very, very basic form input, right? We had text input through text areas and text boxes. We were able to do drop downs and we were able to do radio buttons and checkboxes, which, which does cover off the basics. Right. And today I'm going to spend the entire bit of new content we do dealing with one form control, the button. Kind of an important one, though, because really when you think about it, what's the point of a form without a button? The button is the, is the thing that makes actions happen. So it's kind of an important one. So huh. that's why we're spending a whole episode on it, right? Oh. It's, it's, the, it's the go machine of the internet, right? The button. <laughs> right. I, I, I assume at some point we will be looking at when you push the go button, where does all this data go? Oh, that's well down the road. That's when we get into the server side stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it would be fun to know how that, I mean, because that's, that's the good stuff, right? You can't make a, you can make a survey and it go, yep, did the survey. Data didn't go anywhere. That is true. Uh, but, th- yeah, moving over to the server is a big hop. So, yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, just throw databases in next we... week, Bart. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll just do them in an afternoon. That'll be grand, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a whole CGI mechanism first. 
coming gateway interface, not computer-generated Ooh. graphics. Oh, I haven't even heard of that. Uh, or images, even. Um, yeah, so then once we've done that, then the next thing I want to do after... So th- today is buttons, just just buttons, which then sets us up for the next obviously missing part, which is form layout. So, so far, and including today, our bootstrap forms are using the default, which is a perfectly fine default, but it basically just stacks everything on top of each other. A label stacked above an input, and then you have the next label input, label input, label input, you know. So it's a very basic sort of structuring. It's just stack them all vertically on top of each other and call it a day. But it won't surprise you that bootstrap can do much, 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 much more than that. So that's where we're going after this. So that sort of puts today into context. Uh, but before that, let's get into our challenge solution to the homework at the end of the last assignment, uh, which basically involved tweaking our form that we had done last time to make alerts so that it took more information and, you know, laid it out more nicely as a form. And yeah, just add a few more features to it, basically. So the first thing to do is to take the form as it was and just make it into a proper bootstrap form. And it turns out I'd done 99% of the work for you already. Yeah, I, I, I kind of looked at so it. proactive on that. I did a couple of things. And I went, wait a minute, am I done? He seemed yeah. this stuff's already there. So that, But that was okay because I looked and I went, oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Now I understand it. Yeah. So basically, I don't think we need to dwell on that. Yeah. My code is in the show notes, but and it's also in the zip file to download. So the next thing then was to convert the text box into a text area and to relabel it as the alert body rather than the alert text, I think is what it was labeled originally. So the markup is quite straightforward. We have our div class equals form group because we group everything into form groups. Label four equals alert underscore body underscore TA. Uh, I did change the name of my ID, which is one small subtlety. So I then had to do a, a global find and replace for that ID so that I got it in the JavaScript and in the HTML. Yeah, that's a good idea to do it that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Computers are much better at searching for stuff than I am. <laughs> I just I just look straight over it. It's like typos. I don't see them. Right, right. Uh, so then we have our text area, class equals form control. We give it the same ID as the label. Um, and then I gave it five rows to make it look better. And I gave it some placeholder text. And that's kind of all there is to that. Yeah, I gave mine a bunch of rows. And then pretty soon I realized I was having to scroll to get past it a lot when I was trying to look at two things at once. So I was like, oh, forget that. Yeah, three is the default. And that seems a bit too restrictive to me. So let's sort of go with five. It's like, yeah, these alerts aren't going to be essays. But you know, three is a bit small. <laughs> Um, so <clears throat> the next thing then is to add a new text input to give the alert a title. So alert title. So this again, very much by the book, Dave class equals form group, label four equals alert underscore title underscore TB, input type equals text, class equals form control, give it the same ID and give it a placeholder text. So very much by the book. But then of course we had to tweak our click handler a little bit so that instead of just shoving all of the text in as just text, we now have to shove half the text in as a heading and half the text in as a body of some sort. Yeah, I do so want to I see up- how you did this because I could I could do one or the other, but but like undoing the fact that it was, had just been turned into a heading. I don't know. I got got a little. I struggled with that. Yeah, just do it in two steps. Is the answer? Yeah. I tried that. So my original code had a dollar a which just put all of the text in at once, right? It had dollar a, uh, so const dollar a equals, and it was uh, using a jQuery's dollar function create a div dot text and then dot add class. Mm-hmm. So basically, we were adding the class 
and then we were adding all of the text in one go with dot text. Well, that's obviously not what we want to do if we want to have a title and a body. So I just make an empty alert. So I just say dollar a becomes equal to dollar div dot add class, and then I leave it at that. So I add the classes. So we now have a div with the class alert and the class alert dash success or alert dash right. warn or alert dash danger. Right. And there's nothing else in it yet, right? Okay. So we now have an empty alert. Okay. So then I inject a heading. So I just say const dollar title equals dollar h4 dot add class alert dash heading because that's the appropriate bootstrap class for uh, an alert heading. Then I say dollar title dot text and I give it the text from the title text box. And then I say dollar a dot append dollar title. So now our alert has a title in it and nothing else. Now we build a body. Dollar body equals dollar sign P. So we now have an empty paragraph dot text. And then we pull the text from the text area. And then we so append you're, you're, that. Let me stop you for a second. So you're styling the pieces as they go in instead of styling dollar A. Well, well, yeah, because dollar A isn't a heading. Dollar A contains a heading. So I'm, I'm saying here's, a, here's an alert. Put that aside. Build me a heading, shove the heading into the alert. Now build me a paragraph, and I shove the paragraph into the alert. You're building it up like Lego pieces. Yeah, so let me let me just stop you for a second. So I, I kept the first part the same, putting the alert title in and having it a heading. And then I appended a paragraph, but I had to tell it a different uh, font size to get it to be small because it seemed to want to stay a heading. Well, how did you make the... It, okay, so in order for it to be a proper heading, it should have a whole separate tag, right? If you look at the markup, it should be div class equals alert, and then inside that, a h something yeah, class I did. equals alert dash Yeah, heading. so I said I said constant dollar a equals dollar uh, h1 dot text, and then gave it the alert title that I had created. And then... So where's the, where's the div then? So not so much a div in here. <laughs> So you have a H1 that is your entire alert instead of an H1 inside your alert. Yeah. But it turns out so you that can... That would be you why can, you're having trouble. You can, you can whack your way around it and make it look like you did the homework correctly by having the second thing have a paragraph style of like font size of 50%. <laughs> so then you have a paragraph inside a heading. I think so. That would well. Or if you used dollar, if you used a pen, you would have indeed struck the paragraph inside the heading. So the the, the resulting okay. markup would be an H one that contains a paragraph. Yeah, which is so okay. optimal. Yeah. Oh, no, I knew. I I was aware, <laughs> um, but I didn't think to create the div with nothing in it. So, but you're not appending these things inside yeah, that div. Out. Line eight, dollar a dot append dollar title. Oh, okay. And then on line okay. twelve, dollar a dot append dollar body. So yes. Okay. And you separated those out as little little. You created the the variables, the constants, just so it was cleaner to read. I mean, you could have yes. crammed all yeah, that yeah. crud into uh, the append, but I started I to kind of do that. But then I thought I'm going to yeah. Then I thought I'm going to have to say this out loud on the podcast and have to explain it. <laughs> Yeah, and so saying dollar a append dollar title makes complete sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. I I see what I did and and why it wasn't working. So it's all about the Lego bricks again. I guess you're, you're sort of building with Lego, right? So the next part then was to add a checkbox. Um, and so the the markup for the checkbox was was by the book, right? Mm-hmm. So it's div class equals form group, and because we just have one single checkbox. 
we can put the form check into the same div as the form group. So it just becomes div class equals form group space form check. Uh, hold on. Hold on a quick second. I'm, uh, I want to try to remember where we are. So I thought the next thing was the close button. Did I? Yes, indeed. Which was a checkbox for whether or not we wanted the close button. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Can you start that section over again? If I'm lost, I can't, I can't hear. <laughs> okay. So the, the next part of the assignment was to, to add a checkbox of the form where people can choose whether or not the alert should get, should ha- should get a close button mm-hmm. when it's generated. So the checkbox is, you know, fairly straightforward, uh, copy paste from the show notes really. So we know that if you have a radio button or a checkbox, you should put it inside a form check. But if you only have one of them, then the form check and the form group can be the same div, which is why we have div class equals form group space form check. Whereas if you had radio buttons, we need to have a separate form check for each of the radio buttons. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 So in this case, it's just one checkbox. Either you want a close button or you don't. So we can collapse them together. So we have div class equals form group form check. Input type equals checkbox ID equals whatever we want, class equals form check input. Because that is what we need to do to make our form checks look right. Then we have a label uh, where I just put add a close button to the alert as the text for that label. Um, And then it gets the class form dash check dash label. So you've a form group as always, the form group is also a form check, and then the input gets the extra class form dash check dash input, and the label gets the extra class form dash check dash label. And that means that you get it properly laid out where you have an appropriate gap between the checkbox and the text, and if we ah. had multiple of them, they would stack under each other nicely. That explains why mine doesn't have space. <laughs> it's all crammed yes, right it up would. against it. Okay. Yes. I find it hard to remember all the different things that go into all the different places. Like... That oh, the, remember? What, what do you mean, remember? I just go to the documents and read it. I don't remember any of it, okay. ever. Okay, because, like, on something like this, where's the ARIA labeled by? Well, there is no need for a labeled by, because it has a label. Okay, what are the kind that we have to put label bys on? Stuff where there isn't... Stuff where there isn't a label. So a radio group doesn't have a label that matches the whole group. Oh, okay. There's no... okay. But so but the, the, la- the radio buttons have labels, so you don't have to ARIA label by. The individual ones have their own label, so they don't right. need any help. Right, but, but the group does. The, it, precisely, the group as a whole, HT, native HTML doesn't have a way of properly labeling those because that didn't occur to the people writing HTML. Therefore, the ARIA people had a hole to plug. Pretty much the ARIA stuff just fills in all the gaps where HTML is poor. It's so kind of when we do works. the form group, though, the first thing we do on a form group is we create a label ID where we put in the label. And then, right, but, which is exactly what we've... Yes, but that's an HTML label, not an ARIA label, right? That is, a, that is standard HTML markup. If we never did ARIA in our lives, we would do the same thing. We would say an input and its matching label, and we connect them together with the ID. But why do you have to tell ARIA where the label is if you've... It, the, you said the form groups don't have labels, and they do. Sorry, the radio groups. The radio groups don't have labels. Oh, okay. Right? The label tag matches a single radio button. Okay. If you have three radio buttons, Uh you will have three input tags and three label tags. But the radio group doesn't have a label tag. There you go. Okay. 
because there's no such concept as a radio group within native HTML. It, it, oh. It's not something the designers of HTML designed. There is no radio group tag, oh. right? Oh, we say okay, a div that's... and we give it a role. And why do we do that? Because there is no proper tag. So we have to use a yeah, but generic see, that's where we get st- Dorothy and I were just talking about that at the gym today. Is like, well, wait a minute. So you gave it a role, but then you have to tell it it's a radio group. Why do you? What are the? What are those two separate things? So what is the well, role the, talking the, to again? Then. So the role is aria. Oh, okay, okay. That's what we thought, but then we turn around and say aria labeled by. Right. Yes. So the role says what it is, and the labeled by says what it, the label is. Where right? to find the label? This is a role. Does not tell you what the label is for that role. Okay. That's the equivalent of button, right? Whenever you pull the piss out of bad um, accessibility, right? The role <laughs> yeah. just says what it is. If if you would like to know it. a way to make blind people go bananas, just just leave it button. <laughs> or, or image. Better That's what? A great better word. yet, put the word button in the label. So then it says, uh, it'll say like, go button, button. They love that. They love that a lot. <laughs> or alt text that says an image. Image, an image. Image, an image. It's like, oh, thanks. I'd never have guessed. All right. Yes. Okay, good. I'm caught up. Okay. Okay. So that gives us the markup for our checkbox. But of course, we now have to connect that into our JavaScript. Mm-hmm. So the original code always injected the dismiss button. So if you scroll up to the previous bit of JavaScript there, you'll see that on line 15, we had a dot prepend, and then you see the code for the close button. Right. So we just always did that. So really, all we actually have to do is put an if statement around that line Mm -hmm. to only do that if the checkbox is checked. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do we tell if a checkbox is checked? Because we've got to write this if statement now. Well, the answer, if we dig deep in our memory, is that checkedness, as in whether or not something is checked, is a property, which means we use jQuery's prop function to read the property. Hmm. And specifically, it is a property named checked. So we end up with... So we use the normal dollar function to get ourselves a reference to the checkbox, which we gave an ID, so pound sign and then the ID, so... Pound sign add underscore close underscore button underscore CB is what I ended up going with, which is perhaps a bit verbose, but it is clear. Um, so we say if dollar and then we pass it that CSS selector and then we say dot prop checked and that will come back as true or false because it either is checked or it isn't checked. And then we just have exactly the same line of code as we had before. It's now just wrapped in that if statement. Okay, so... I did something similar, and this is where you were, you wanted to know how I managed to get something that would let you add more checks. I created a mm. function called isChecked, and uh, right. inside that I created a constant uh, which that I call CB, and I did document.getElementById, and then gave it the CSS selector for my close button. And then I said, if that $CB, the name of my, uh, my close button, if that's... When you say close button, do you mean the checkbox? Sorry. Uh... Sorry, checkbox. Yeah. So I, I, okay. I never see your letters T, B, T, A, and C, B as meaning what they mean. I, I sit there trying to guess what they mean. And I know you've told me what, what you mean by them, but they don't, they don't ring to me, so it's harder. Uh, so I made a constant $CB for checkbox. And then I did document.getElementById and looked for the CSS selector for that checkbox. And then I put in the if statement, just like you did. I said if $CB.checked is equal to true then do the prepend of the uh, of the button. 
Oh, you have the check. Oh, where is that code? Is that code is in the right event right where you've group? got it. It's it's oh, it's after the add class to the alert, and it's before uh, telling Bootstrap to treat a new alert as an alert. So how is it getting called more than once? I don't know. Is there another click handler somewhere? Did, is there a click handler been added to the checkbox? There, or well, there's a click handler to the close button that you had in originally. But that hasn't been clicked yet when this happens. So this is all inside the alert button dot click function. Then there's something more in your code than just what you've read out to me because I what you've read you. out to me can't happen multiple times. There's another event handler somewhere. Yeah, well, the fact that yeah. it lets you do it bef- after the button, after the uh, alert is created is interesting, isn't it? Well, that means, there, yes, because that means that there's a click handler. There there's must something be a listing click for it. You, there's a handler has gotten added to the checkbox. Yeah, that checkbox has a handler on it. I mean, there is because otherwise, clicking the checkbox can't do anything. If there's no handler on that checkbox, it can't possibly make code happen. So there must be a handler on that checkbox. So the document ready handler is a function inside. It has the alert button dot click function that you started with. Mm-hmm. Then I got a constant. I got an append here. I got another constant. I add the class. Then I have this function is is checked, and that's where I check. That's where I look. What I just read you. Then dollar, uh, we tell Bootstrap to treat our new alert as an alert with dollar.alert. And then there's the listen to the closed event and inject it into the new page, update the counter, and then the close button click handler. And did you add anything into that listen to the close event? Nope. No? Nope. It's just what we had before. I'm going to have to have a look at the code at some stage because this isn't working because I my yeah my short term memory isn't long enough to store all of that. <laughs> okay, and probably super fun for the listeners though. <laughs> there is definitely another event handler though because otherwise clicking that radio that checkbox cannot have anything happen. Some some something has added a listener to that radio. Yeah, that, I, your that explanation makes complete sense. It it hardly has the same idea as the button by mistake. You heard it 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 hardly. And therefore got the other click handler added to it as well. Yeah. Um, if the idea of your checkbox were the same as the idea of your button for making a new alert, that would explain things. Yeah. All right. Well, I will find a form, a version of this that has it doing what I said that it has was the, doing. has the bad functionality. Yeah. yeah. Right now it's not working at all because I've screwed it up with the next step. So I'll have to go. I, I saved Aha. a version when it was working though. Okay. Well, see, it sounds to me like you still have plenty of homework to do because just because I've told you how to do it, if you have the self-discipline not to go look, you still have lots of fun ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So at that stage, we now have uh, the ability to have or not have our checkbox. So the next part of the challenge um, was uh, to add a group of radio buttons so that the user could have a nice icon on the alert for no reason other than that I wanted you to do a group of radio buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, I said that you could do the icons any which way you liked. You could use emoji, you could use like image files, anything you liked. Uh, I chose to use glyph icons because I'm lazy because um, that's just easier to do. I couldn't so get I those to work at all. I I, okay. I looked for them and <clears throat> couldn't figure out how to make it go, but I look forward to seeing how you did it. Installment 29, link in show notes. Yeah. <laughs> 
so in the head section, you just pop in the little thing that says, um, it's just the one liner to, to pull in the um, link rel equal style sheet for. Yeah, that's a part Font I skipped. Awesome. <laughs> oh, that would be why it didn't work. Yeah, we're, uh, I can't find where you are in the show notes now. I, we're after the discussion. That's not in the show notes. You just have a link to installment 29 that tells oh, you how okay. to use Glyphic okay. Guns. All right. I knew that was what was wrong, but I just went, oh, forget it. I'm just going to copy and paste a martini glass in here. <laughs> a martini glass? Why not? Well, m- um, my radio button so basically is your poison. an emoji. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, I like it. Okay. So in my case, I went for uh, was it an exclamation point, uh, a question mark, an info icon, a checkbox. Um, I think that's that's all of them. Yeah. Um, anyway, it doesn't really matter what they are. The key point is that we have a div which we give the role, sorry, which we give the class a form group because the entire group of radio buttons is one element in our form. So the whole group of radio buttons are a form group, uh, but they of course contain multiple radio buttons, which means you have to give them role equals radio group, as we described earlier. And then we have to use the ARIA labeled by because there isn't really a proper HTML way of marking up a radio group. So we have a label. So normally a label would have a four. So you'd say label four equals something. But there's nothing to attach the label to. So we just say label. And then we give it an ID and we go the exact opposite way. And so the ARIA labeled by is now pointing at the label instead of the label pointing at something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we had which to go through that, that again. That's good. Yeah, which is just because HTML sucks. That's the only <laughs> reason for that weirdness, right? Uh, so then we have, for each form, we have a div class equals form dash check. And I've decided to make mine inline. So mine also have form dash check dash inline. And then we have input type equals radio, name equals something consistent across all of them. ID equals something of your choosing, Value equals whatever the text is you'd like to... Uh, actually, no, value equals just the, the the value it's going to represent. So I decided to be lazy and make it represent the name of the, the icon in Font Awesome. Because mm, okay. that way I can just go dot .val and right. pull the value straight out. Um, and then you have to give it the class form-check-input. And then you have its matching label, which gets the class form-check-label. And because I'm using Font Awesome and because I like accessibility, I have um, the actual icon, which has the property aria hidden, which means that the little icon is hidden from screen readers. But then that's followed by a span with the class S or only, which is the opposite of that, which means that it's only visible to screen readers. And that contains the text exclamation triangle. So basically, got it. Got it. Th- yeah, perfect. And then copy, paste, copy, paste, right? There's four of them. They're the same. Right. So that's the markup, and that then gives you just what looks like some radio buttons with some icons. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, but of course, now we have to do, we now have to connect our JavaScript to our radio group. And this is the bit where we remember that, Java, that jQuery is not particularly good with radio buttons. So we did cover all of this many moons ago, but let's just remind ourselves that the way you do this with jQuery is that you ask jQuery to find, using a CSS selector, all of the inputs with the name you gave each of those radio buttons. So all of those radio buttons share a name because otherwise they wouldn't be connected to each other. So in my case, they all have the name uh, alert underscore icon underscore or B. So you'll see that all four of those radio buttons have the same name. Yeah, it turns out if you name them different together. things, you can check all of them. <laughs> yeah. I figured yeah, that out. Yeah, because you've basically made four radio groups that way. Which, you know, Dorothy made a good point. I just told you it was a radio group. 
I told you okay, so. Okay, we right, we go back to the fact that HTML sucks. Okay. All right, good. That's a good answer. Or has short-term memory loss. <laughs> Radio buttons are not well thought out. But they have been set in stone since HTML 1 or 2 or something a long time ago. Okay. And they now so have it's just old technical short-term memory loss. Give it a break, Bart. Yeah. Sucks is too yeah. cruel. Yeah. It does what honest. it does. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with honest. Anyway. Okay. So what we're trying to do in English is we want to find all of the inputs that have the name alert icon or B that are checked. Mm-hmm. That's actually the CSS we're trying to write in English. All? So the Even first, though they can only be one? Right. So we want to find... We want to find in the document the thing that meets the criteria is an input, has the name alert icon or B, and is checked. Mm -hmm. If we find that one and we get its value, then we have what we need. Okay. So the first part of that is to find all of them, which is just input. And then to find something by an attribute, we use the attribute selector, which is square bracket, name of attribute, equal sign, value we want. What's an attribute versus anything else? So open angle bracket, name of tag, space, attribute name equals attribute value, space, attribute name equals attribute value, close angle bracket. Okay, so it's got, so an attribute is something with the word name, not ID, not class, not anything else? No, 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 ID is an attribute, class is an attribute. So we haven't been using square brackets to go find dot alert. Because we don't need to, because there is it built into CSS, there is a shortcut. The pound sign has that meaning. If you wanted to find all images with a width of 400, you have no choice but to use okay. square bracket width Okay, so the, the pound sign is, is doing the job of the square brackets and all the other... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could say open square bracket ID equals close square bracket. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, then it makes sense to me. Got it. Okay, cool. Yes. But it's a shortcut because IDs and classes are just used everywhere. So they get the nice simple shortcut of pound or period. Okay. But there is no equivalent for name. Okay, good. Then I follow you. Yes, perfect. So that gets us almost all the way there. And then the second thing we have to dig deep in our memory for is the selected pseudo class, which is colon, sorry, the checked pseudo class, which is colon checked. Hmm. And that only applies, it's like colon hover for when something's being hovered over. Colon checked only applies when something is checked. Okay. So... Input, open square bracket, name equals alert underscore icon underscore or B, close square bracket, colon checked, is the CSS to find the thing on the page with the name alert icon or B that is an input and that is checked. Okay. Which is a really long way of getting at the one bloody radio button that's been ticked. <laughs> so then we put all that together with the dollar function and the dot val function and we finally get dollar open round bracket Start quotation, input, square bracket, name equals, yada, 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 closer quotation, dot val. That finally gives me back whatever I put into the value attribute, which in my case was the appropriate uh, icon. So uh, where are my values? FA-info-circle, FA-question-circle. So that actually made it easier for you than it would be with the... um with the the favic or with a, an emoji because with an emoji then you have to go look not for the value but for the well I I had like you have to put a name equals. and then an if statement I guess yeah so you'd have some sort of well I used if let me tell you what I used before you answer okay. I I had like value equals martini couldn't I have it be dot val would find martini yes but then you'd have to have an if statement that if the value equals martini, oh then make then it look like this. this oh yeah yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a subtle difference. So in my case, I can just use the class straight away because I made my value be the class I wanted. So it just makes my code a little bit shorter. Okay. I did find that square brackety stuff, but I hadn't gotten... F- that's right where I was like, ah, I can't finish. I'm close, but... I did. I even started early, further. by the way. I started on Monday. Yeah, but remember, because we moved me last time, you only had half the usual amount of time. Right, right. And and I also went back and worked on the previous homework to make sure I could do it the way you did it, not the way I did it, which my way worked, but I liked yours better. So I taught my, I made myself recreate it without cheating off your paper. So that took so me a day. So you did twice the amount of homework <laughs> in half the time. Well, except I didn't finish. So maybe three eights. I think that's pretty good. Okay. All right. So we found our value and now we got to inject that into the title, right? Yeah. So the way I did it was I added another bit that says const dollar icon equals, and I made an empty i tag, gave it the class ma and the class mor2. So do you remember in Bootstrap world what an mor2 is? That should be margin right two. Bing bing. Yeah. Because I yeah, because I wanted basically I wanted a bit of spacing after my icons. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just shove a margin to the end of them. Uh, so we give them the class FA because everything that's a font awesome icon has to have the class FA. And so it gets FA and then it gets the actual name of the icon you want. So then I just go dollar icon that add class and I use the dollar function with all of that dot val stuff we just talked through to go and suck out that class name. And then I'm ready to prepend my icon into my title. And you, so, so you I used stuck an the icon I, the front of the but title. with Aria hidden. Yes. Which means... It's a list, but it doesn't show the dot. The no, not an li, not the, oh. not an li. What's an, an I, I again? It is for something which is. I can't remember exactly what the English word for it, that it represents, but basically, it's like if you okay. So if you write, uh, say, a foreign word like um, vice versa you would generally mark it as being a foreign word by italicizing it. But that's not the same as emphasizing it. So yeah. you wouldn't use an EM tag because that's for emphasis. Okay. You would use an I tag to mark it as being somehow different. And the people in Font Awesome decided that the least silly tag to use for an icon would be a tag that says, this is this is a funny piece of text. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's not going to change what it does visually. It's just saying, it. it's actually semantic in this case? It is... Ish. Basically, you could have used a span, but a span is a lot of typing. So they basically went looking for the shortest named tag that isn't stupid. <laughs> That's semantically plausible. Okay, you could squint and say it made sense. You could squint and say it made sense, and it's very quick to type. So they picked I. Okay. So I sort of get their point. Yeah. But yeah. So that's just sort of by the book. And the aria hidden is because the little funny icon is meaningless to a screen reader. Um, so in fact, the whole icon doesn't really matter to a screen reader. So I didn't even bother with a span because really, it's it's just window dressing. So it does it, it has nothing of any value anyway. So I didn't add anything for screen readers because they just get the title. And the screen reader would get where did it get the title? It wouldn't get anything here. I, I have no so oh, I have no because it has SRO no value. <laughs> it has it's, there's nothing there exactly. Yeah. So I just basically went just hide it. Just, okay. Just 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 hide you it. You might have an icon that was meant something to make it like let's say you didn't have the words at all or the colors yeah so so then you would add an extra span with the class sr only that had whatever you wanted for the screen reader yeah okay so then you'd 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 prepend two things one one for the visual people and one for the um less for visual. The screen readers <laughs> yeah okay uh, in this case i'm choosing to prepend the two dollar title 
Mm. Oh, there you get to use dollar title again. Now that was totally worth yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, and then I shoved dollar title into the A. So I didn't so, succeed. But one of the great ways I succeeded was when you press an alert button, every single thing on the page disappears and there's no JavaScript console errors at all. <laughs> so I'm, huh. I'm, I'm, so I'm you, a little You've stuck. overwritten something. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little what? bit of work, I think. Yeah. It's close, though. Well, whatever you're doing is syntactically correct and it's doing exactly what you asked for. It's just not what you meant to ask for. <laughs> right. Which is subtly different sometimes. Yeah. So the penultimate part of the challenge then was to to get reset functionality. Um, we haven't really looked at forms in ages and ages and ages and ages. And we also haven't reminded ourselves of one of the subtleties of jQuery in ages and ages and ages. So this is slightly sneaky of me. Um, when you use the dollar function, what do I always say that you get back? Well, that's a You say that you get jQuery back a jQuery thing. object that represents the whatever it is, okay. you know, the paragraph or the input or whatever. Uh, but that means that there is actually a raw native DOM object, which is the actual raw, not jQuery HTML object. Oh. And so you can access those with jQuery's get function. So jQuery is a wrapper around the raw HTML DOM. And so sometimes you want to peel the wrapper off and you peel the wrapper off with the get function. I say this, it's been at least a year since we talked about this. So I'm, I'm expecting this to, to, to be very, very almost new again. Okay. Uh, but the reset function for a form is a DOM function and the jQuery people didn't bother providing us a nice convenient way to do it via jQuery, which is unusual because they're normally quite considerate. So what that means is you actually have to peel the wrapper off and then call reset on the unwrapped form. So the subtlety here was that you had to unwrap it to get out of its raw DOM object. Mm. So basically to reset the form, you got to get the form by its ID. So my form has the ID create underscore FM. And, so and that's, dollar, where is that? Is that up in the... Um, that is in the HTML. In the set? Uh, it is... Uh, my form is on line 26. Yeah, but I mean... <clears throat> Syntactically, it could be in the field. It could be outside the field setting. I mean, as as long as it's around every single input, it's fine. So whether you make it around the whole document or only around the field set or as the first thing inside the field set, it's kind of up to you. As long as it can't be outside the main, can it? It could be. As long as there's no the form can. As long as the form encompasses all the inputs, it's fine. What you can't have is the inputs not in the form. Okay. All right. Yeah, so it's kind of up to you. I like to put it inside the field set so that the field set... Yeah, it seems like a logical place. I mean, that's, yeah, it seems sensible to me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you called, uh, you gave it the ID create underscore form. Yeah, and then so I basically say use the dollar function to get at the jQuery version of that and then jQuery's get function to pull out the raw native one. So every jQuery object is actually a list because there could be more than one thing that meets your CSS criteria. Okay. So get zero means give me the first one. Now, there should only ever be one thing with the same ID, so get zero makes perfect sense here. And then I call the reset function, which is actually the raw DOM function. And so that just resets the whole form. And where do you do that? Well, you do it as the very last thing within the click handler. And that's and that was the click handler for the close all... Or wait, when did you say you wanted this to be to happen? When you create an alert, basically put the form back the way it was. So it's the last... So you, oh, okay, the last so thing you wouldn't keep creating, creating the same alert. alert over and over again. You'd create different alerts. Exactly. Okay. 
Yeah, so it basically puts everything back to the default. And now that our forum has like radio bu- buttons and all sorts of things, that actually becomes meaningful, right? Because if you change it to a different non-default icon, you type in a title, you type in some body text, you change the alert style. I mean, you've done a fair bit of jiggery-pokery at this stage. So it actually does make sense to reset that form yeah. so that you can create another alert without having to go through, you know, undo and then redo. Does yours, with your placement of that uh, reset, does it also reset when you hit close all alerts? Or when uh, you close well, There's no need for because you haven't typed anything. Um, oh, yeah, because in order to close all alerts, you will have had to have added an alert. Yeah. And if you're halfway through typing, I actually, if you're halfway through typing and you haven't yet hit add alert, do you want your work to go away? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought about it and I went, actually, no, I don't want it to go away. So I only added it to the add alert button. So that's, that was all of the homework homework. And then we got to the bonus question or the, the, the bonus credit. And I apologize up front for this. <laughs> this was easy to do in Bootstrap 3. Turns out there's a you get if you did this you don't just get bonus credit you get double bonus credit because this was way harder than I thought. Um, it's very short code, but it's completely, totally, and utterly like not logical. Well, it it has a perverse logic after the fact, but it's not intuitive. It's not like well, of course I do it this way, and the only reason I found the answer is because I basically Googled form dash control space button group bootstrap four and i found lots of people on stack overflowing overflow going what the hey <laughs> this this should be easy what's going on and then finally someone linked to a very obscure part of the bootstrap documentation it's not part of the documentation for bootstrap four features it's in the part of the documentation labeled migration to help bootstrap three people become bootstrap four people but what if you're starting Bootstrap 4? You'd never find it. Yeah, because I didn't find it until basically some nice person over in Stack Overflow pointed me in the right direction. So they immediately got an upvote. So yeah. they have a little bit more karma. Yeah. Um, now, the answer is vaguely sensible. Um, what you do is you turn the button group into a flex row, or, or basically into a flex box. Ah. And then you turn each button into a flex item. And then they will stretch out and fill the whole width. So that was actually the answer, but that took me a long time to find. Yeah, and it's, so, it's yes, nine it was lines like, of code with no comments, and, and it took that long, huh? Yeah, I mean, and most of those nine lines, like, if you don't want it to be full width, then it's all very sensible, right? So you have one class to, which becomes your form group. So div class equals form dash group. Then you have um, a div which becomes your button group. So div class equals button dash group. And then you have a button and then you have another button. So it's actually a very sensible markup. But that would give you buttons next to each other that didn't stretch. They would just be the default width of the button. So the alert, the add alert one was smaller than the close all alerts one because it has less text in it. And it just looked terrible because mm. everything else is full width. It just looked awful. So it's like, well, I have to get this to full width. And it turns out that the answer was to put a D-flex onto the button group. So in other words, it now becomes a flex box. And then to put a W-100 onto every button. 
which is also non-intuitive. So I thought you said that uh, you had to add a, a flex item to the buttons, and I don't see that in your well, the text. Fle- okay, you don't have to add a flex item, right? As soon as you make the thing that contains them a flex box, they become flex okay. items. That's okay, flex- all right. Flex boxes I got you. Work. Okay. Yeah. It looks real so pretty. The- it looks great, but it's not intuitive. But I'm going to explain why we do a W100 later because we're actually going to look at button at forum sorry at button groups properly in a few minutes. Yeah, we probably should start thinking. About, I realized I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of this, but we haven't started new stuff, have we? Yeah, but like I say, it's only buttons today. Okay. So let us let us uh, recap a little bit. So in raw HTML, buttons are slightly unusual in that there's two ways to get them which is not normal. Like there's one tag for paragraphs and one tag for for a top-level heading and one tag for a second-level heading. It's very unusual to have two tags for one thing. But you can make a button by saying input type equals button or input type equals submit or input type equals reset or you can use the button tag. That's Hmm. a bit odd. Hmm. And uh, with jQuery, or not with jQuery, with Bootstrap, we get to take things even further. With Bootstrap, you can turn anything into a button oh any tag at all you can turn it into a button i do not recommend you do this (laughs) i recommend that you only do this on things which cause some sort of action to happen which i sort of give the nickname an action element but basically unless clicking on this thing is going to make something happen don't make it look like a button that is just going to confuse everyone so i would say that limit your use of the button of Bootstrap's button features to the button tag, the input tag, and the A tag. Because you know something, a link is indeed a thing that makes something happen. So that is actually perfectly okay as a button. But other than that, don't make your paragraphs buttons. Well, I definitely don't make your text boxes buttons. I just thought of an example. Uh, I'm making, uh, do you know the, the card game match game where you lay a bunch of cards down face down and you're trying to remember which two are the same? You could make some car- some of the cards be buttons that aren't, or they look like buttons, but they aren't because they're the wrong ones. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> just yes. yes. I get your point. Okay. Yes. So, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. This is probably actually the answer. Now, uh, at this stage, I will say that all of the code snippets below for the rest of this discussion are all grouped together into PBS63A, which is just a page with many, 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 many buttons. <laughs> Um, so if you want to see what they look like in the flesh, uh, they're all there in PBS63A. And all of those code snippets are in there too, so you don't have to worry too much about it. So, um, okay. So the first thing is to make something look like a, J- like a bootstrap button, we have to opt into its opinionated styles. And we do that in what is now probably quite the common way of doing things. It's a pair of classes. First off, BTN for button. And then one of the named style classes. So button-primary, button-secondary, button-info. I like hearing you say button. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I remind myself because I have a terrible habit of typoing class equals B-U-T-T-O-N, which doesn't work. (laughs) Right. So I mentally say button and then I sort of get it there. Uh, And that will give you default filled in buttons. There is also an outlined variant, which basically has a border and colored text rather than a colored button with white text. Ooh, those are pretty. So they are, they are pretty. So they're button-outline-primary or button-outline-whatever, right? And then there's an oddball one, button-link, which makes your button 
not look like a button. Huh. It debuttons a button, <laughs> which is actually used in some UIs. So, um, so the semantic think, thing is you've told it it's a button, but it's not really a button. It's a link. It is really a button in the sense that the button tag is used, but it is presented to the user as a link because that just happens to look better in that particular um, interface. Hmm. And uh, so the Moodle, uh, so Moodle is a virtual learning environment we use in work. And Moodle does this a lot uh, where it will have a great big complicated form. And at the very, very bottom, there's a there's a button to do something which will take you to a new page to do it. And Moodle has chosen to render those buttons, which are actually buttons, as links because they move you to another page. And it actually does make sense. It is actually consistent and sensible. So why does it help? And it is a button as a link. So the reason it's a button is why? It's because it's submitting a a form. Because it's submitting a form to the the server. Okay. Yes. So it is buttoning, but it's taking you to a whole new page. And it's just, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically... It's consistent across all of its many interfaces and it does actually make sense. But in the abstract, it sounds silly. What do you mean I have a button that isn't a button? Well, it is a button. It just doesn't look like one. Mm, okay. But anyway, you can do it. So the, the special class for it is button-link. You can also vary the size of your buttons. Uh, you don't have a huge variety of choices. You have the default size, which I would argue is actually quite big. Uh, so you can make it a bit smaller with button-sm, or you can make it stupidly large with button-lg for like your extra-large buttons. And you can see those in action in the example file. So let's talk a little bit about links as buttons and buttons as links, because Bootstrap will let you do both. So let's start off with a little bit of HTML. It just says, this apparent secondary button is actually... An A tag. Okay. And then it says A class equals button, button dash secondary. href equals, and it's linked to the bootstrap button documentation, target equals underscore blank, rel equals no opener, and then the text more with three periods. And when you look at that, so it's an A tag, right? A class equals button. But when you look at the screenshot, it is a button. Yeah. So it is a link that looks like a button. Okay. And we can also do the opposite, having a button look like a link. So we have this apparent link is actually a button. Button, class equals button dash button dash link. Sorry, class equals button space button dash link. ID equals doesn't really matter. And then we have the text more slash button. And when you look at it, oh, look, it looks like a link. Okay, but it's still a button. It's still a button. And the reason... So you would add a click handler to it. I'm still getting... uh, Stuck on why it's still a button. Oh, because you want to add a click handler to it? Yeah, or because you wanted to submit a form, so it might be button type equals submit. Okay. Yeah. This comes back to the whole we haven't even touched the server yet. All right. Makes sense. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk to you about are groups of buttons, which are called button groups. And also groups of groups of buttons, which are called toolbars. Um, So HTML has no concept of multiple buttons being combined into one single piece of UI. That is not something that native HTML supports. But Bootstrap does, which is why it's in the Bootstrap components bit, right? Because it's basically adding new features into HTML. So Bootstrap names its component that it made up a button group. 
And you create a button group by taking a tag of your choice and wrapping it around your buttons and giving it the class button-group. In the real world, that's very, very often a div. But it could be anything. Right? It could be a paragraph. It could be a header. It could be anything you like. But ultimately, you take some tag, you wrap it around arbitrarily many buttons. It can be two buttons, a hundred buttons, right? This will work for as many buttons as you want. So you wrap them in this new tag of your choosing, and then you give that wrapping tag the class button-group. And then Bootstrap will collapse them into this single connected bar with rounded corners only on the very outside. So basically the leftmost button has left edges rounded and the rightmost button has right edges rounded. None of the other sides are rounded and then they're all mushed together so that they touch each other. But if you hover over them, they do still independently show themselves as being separate things. So you'll see that in PBS 63A. Right. You can see them sort of live. And so as you hover over the things in the button bar, they, their hover behavior is per button. But you see what I mean? They, they're they collapsed together, so the rounding is only on the extreme edges. Yeah, yeah. They look quite nice. And they make, they, you know, they make nice toolbars and stuff when you put groups of these you together. So it they, actually it's a nice... has a little, um, almost a little reflection in the corners if you zoom way up. Like the curve yeah, doesn't it, match, so it leaves a little tiny white arc there. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's a, if that's supposed to be there or if I've done something. Silly. No, I'm seeing it in. Um, actually, wait oh, a minute. No, I'm not seeing it in your um, in Safari. I'm seeing it in the same thing in uh, Code Runner. So that might be. A yeah, Code I Runner only see problem. it in Code Runner. I think that's a Code Runner bug. Yeah, because yeah, okay. they're supposed to just look like like buttons. Yeah, you got to zoom way up to see this. I just was zooming way up so I could see the curve around the edges. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because Code Runner isn't a perfect browser. Pretty good though. I use it. It's, yeah, I use it a lot. But okay, yeah, it's not really its job in life. So but, anyway, button groups, splat them all together, space them out real pretty, put a curve on uh, rounded corners on the four corners. Yes. Okay. Now this is a thing which doesn't really exist in raw HTML. So we need to be friendly to our screen reader friends. Mm-hmm. So we should give an aria role to this group of related things, and the aria role in question is the generic role group. So you give your button group the role group. Okay. And then if it makes sense, if those three or four buttons together have some sort of sensible meaning, you can say aria-label equals and type in some sort of sensible name that the screen reader could present to the user. Or you can say aria-labeled by and point it at something something else that exists on the page that does the describing. Hey, can't I do so, that on the other stuff? Aria-label equals and just do it there instead of creating that separate label? You can, but in the case of those separate labels, you generally want them for both humans and screen readers, in which case it makes sense to yeah, do a labeled yeah, by. Fine. But yes, you have the choice, It's like right? way so, more typing, but you'd have to do it twice and yeah, I see it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And in this case, there's no need to do something for the visual people. They can see what's going on, but there is a need to do something for the screen readers. So hence, aria-label is a very sensible approach. Mm -hmm. So you give it the role group and the label, whatever makes sense to you. Um, And then, so as an example in the code, we have basic share links as a button group. So span class equals button-group, role equals group, aria-label equals share. Seems sensible to me. Then inside, we have a class equals button button dash secondary href equals in this case i just put in a garbage url javascript colon void twitter facebook google plus close our span so we have three links presenting as a button bar yeah 
And it looks real pretty. And they look really nice. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You can also resize a whole group at once. So instead of putting the button dash SM into each button, you can actually pop one around the entire um, button group by giving it button dash group dash SM or button dash group dash LG, which is really nice. And as a final sort of example, tying in my glyph icons... Mm -hmm. We can actually make a really pretty bar with a Flickr icon. Sorry, not a Flickr icon, a Twitter icon, a Facebook icon, and a Google Plus icon as a small button bar. Hmm. Or sorry, yeah, button group, sorry to use the correct word. I think that looks very pretty. Yeah, yeah. So, and you so did the that final... by doing, giving them, uh, making them an I class equals font awesome, font, font awesome Twitter. Okay, yeah. And again, so I'd put the whole thing inside a button group and then button group SM to make it small, which is which works better. So it's a nice little subtle chair thingy. Very pretty. So the last sort of rabbit hole we can go down is so we can group buttons into a button group. But what if we want to group a button groups? Well, jQuery, or not jQuery, I keep saying jQuery today. Uh, Bootstrap has your back on that too because Bootstrap has the concept of a group of button groups, which it calls a toolbar. or a, uh, And I've just realized I skipped over a section of my show notes. Oh. We get back to those. Okay. Um, let's look in detail at the problem of button groups as form controls, right? So if we want them to stretch out to the full width, we want our button group to act as a single element in our default formatted form. I would have thought that simply saying div class equals form group and then putting our button group inside the form group would make it behave properly. That's what I was hoping. So this would is this whole thing we did as this special extra credit, making it a flex box. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. And in Bootstrap three, you could achieve that with a single class, which was well, actually I'm not going to tell you what it was yeah. because it doesn't exist anymore okay. in Bootstrap four. That would just confuse people. But there was a way of doing it in Bootstrap three. It was just you put one class in and it just worked. That's gone. So now we're forced to do this hack of using a flex group. So I just copied and pasted the code again from my challenge solution, which has two buttons, an add button and a close button. So they're all wrapped inside a form group. And then inside the form group, we have a wrapping tag that is our button group. And then inside our button group, we have our two buttons. So it's at the very inside two buttons wrapped in a button group, wrapped in a form group. And the form group is full width because that's what form group does. But the button group isn't stretching to be the full width, and it really bloody well should. Hmm. So to do it, the first thing we have to do is we have to take our button group and make it into a flex box. So that's easy because there's a there's a bootstrap utility class for doing that, which is just d-flex for display flex. That's, this is still reviewing what we already just did, right? It's reviewing what we did, but I want to get to the why we had to do the second thing I'm about to say. Okay. So when you do the d-flex, it still isn't going to work. Because a flex box, by default, isn't going to stretch everything to make it the same width as each other. So the flex box is bigger than the buttons. The buttons are in the flex box. So the flex box is going to say, okay, fine, you fit, fine. I don't have to flex you. There is no need to flex you because you fit. So how do we make it stretch? Well, one obvious thing we could do, we have two buttons. We want them to be full width. So we could give each of them the utility class W-50 with the 50. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm stuck on what's not working. This is we already went over this. Okay, we no. Right? Okay, I what's, haven't explained why it says W100. Yeah, you did. 
I no. You did before. Okay, wh- why? Why are we doing W one hundred? I thought that's what we did at the end of the the previous homework. It is, and I said I will explain why. Oh, later. sorry. <laughs> I just assumed you told us. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. So, so you're saying that even though it fits, you still have to tell it W one hundred for some reason. No, it fits without being stretched. So if you don't put in the W100s, mm-hmm. you still haven't filled your goal. They're still not full width. Hmm. Oh, because they're right? smaller than the width. Yeah, there's more room than the buttons take up. So the flex box is going, no work for me to do here. You all, you guys all fit fine. I don't have oh, to do okay. anything. Okay, because the, the, the width of the button is just the size of the information that's in it. Yeah. Okay. So it just it, it fits without being stretched, and it doesn't need to be shrunk or stretched or anything. So the so the the flex box just goes. I'm done. That was easy. I didn't have to change anything. So how do we force the flex box to do its magic and distribute them evenly and make them full size? I would have thought it'd be W fifty W fifty. Like thank you. That's what I just said. Okay. Good. Okay. Now I'm catching up. And that will work ah. for two. For two buttons, that works fine. Oh. <laughs> Three buttons. Your available classes are W50, W25, and W75. Oh, I see the problem. There we go. So, what does a flex box do when you try to put more into it than it fits? Well, what the answer is, is it shrinks everything evenly to make it fit anyway. <laughs> and that's a lot so less, less than doing the math anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So, W100 which makes each one want to be the full width, the Flexbox then says, I'm going to distribute you guys evenly, and they each become the appropriate fraction. And the great thing of using W100 is if I add in a third button, I don't have to change yeah. my markup, I don't have to do any math. Yeah. So it just, it'll always work. Yeah. And so the answer is W100, even though it's counterintuitive. <laughs> and that's why I thought it was worth looking at again, because that is not... If I said to you, how would you guess you might logically do this? This is not what you would guess. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Okay. Yeah. But in hindsight, it, you see why it works. Yeah. But it's it's not to me. It's unintuitive. <laughs> anyway, so now we can do our toolbars. So a button toolbar is a group of button groups. <laughs> okay. And these are generally not going to come up in normal web forms. You're generally going to see these in the UI for a web app. So you're not likely to see a button toolbar in a normal web page, like a blog post or something. But in the interface for writing blog posts, you are likely to see such things, right? If you if you put WordPress into its GUI editor, mm-hmm. you're going to have a whole collection of buttons nicely spaced into little groupings of buttons into a toolbar. So things like bold, italics, and underline, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we get to building web apps instead of web pages for purely information, the ability to make toolbars is actually darn useful. Mm-hmm. So it's actually nice that uh, Bootstrap has given us support for groups of buttons for groups of groups of buttons which it calls a button toolbar so to make a button toolbar you start off with your individual button groups and then you wrap all of those in another wrapper which you call which you give the class button dash toolbar so btn dash toolbar again we have to do some aria help so we say role equals toolbar because aria has a role toolbar oh okay and we should give it an aria-label if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So as a purely contrived example, I have a button toolbar which has two button groups. Uh, the toolbar as a whole, I've given the aria-label format. And then the first button group, I've given the aria-label font style. And it contains a button group with three buttons. 
one for bold, one for italic, one for underline, oh, four buttons, and one for strike through. Mm-hmm. So our first button group has four buttons. And then we have another button group still inside our button toolbar. And that one I have given the ARIA label baseline. And it contains two buttons, superscript and subscript. And when you look at them in the screenshot, I think they look very pretty because I did also use the lovely icons from Font Awesome. Yeah, they look they look great. Yeah. And so a button toolbar is just a group of button groups. And the markup is quite straightforward, really. I but see I thought why we should, you're in you know, love with this. Wrap it up. Yeah, try doing that with raw CSS. It's all possible, right? Because Bootstrap is just CSS and JavaScript, so you could do it yourself from first principles. <laughs> but you'd be at it a while. Yeah, yeah. Whereas just including a few classes, I can do that. Right, right. So just as a reminder where we are, so we now have... We have now mastered basic form input. We can take text from users in the form of a text area or a text box. We can take choices from users in the form of a drop-down with a select tag, a checkbox, or a radio group. And we now have the ability to make actions happen with beautiful buttons of all shapes and sizes. So the next obvious thing to be able to do is to have our forms have a structure other than pile one on top of the other and make everything full width, (laughs) which is where we are right now. So that is what we are going to do next time we meet. We're going to look at the different mechanisms Bootstrap provides for laying out a form, apart from the default, which is stack them all vertically and call it a day. Right, right. This is cool. This is so pretty. Yeah, and so this is why a lot of web web apps and things are written in Bootstrap, right? Because it's just, you just have a really nice UI for free. Right. Someone's done all the hard work for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, I, I get it. Uh, plus, having no artistic talent, I, uh, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be able I have to that do problem. all of this, you know, to make it look, oh, that light gray or medium gray with the nice font, that all looks real pretty. Yeah, I'd be inclined to go and Google for things and end up with pink carrots and stuff. (laughs) Oh, right, right, right. I'm also colorblind, so just imagine how well it would go. (laughs) A lot of fun. All right, this was cool. Now, there is one thing you may notice is missing from these show notes. Yeah. I wasn't able to think of one. No homework. No homework. Which means you can do your homework from last time without cheating. Oh, Oh, that so it's actually worked out really convenient. Yeah, and that was, I don't consider it cheating was, when I when I I like to understand. I like it when I understand the structure, and what I'm fighting with is the syntax. And I think I've got a good handle on the structure that you talked about in the homework. So I think that's uh, that's that's bless your little heart because Dorothy didn't finish well, either. Good. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> This is how you judge yourself, is it? If if, if Dorothy gets it and I don't, uh-oh. But if Dorothy doesn't get it either, it's okay. I don't feel so bad. Yeah, yeah, no. But but I was having fun, so I didn't want the fun to stop. And, and I always say, oh, I'm going to go back and do it and finish it, and then I'll start the new one, and I never do. But this week I did, which is why I didn't get to finish, because I redid the one from last week. And so this now I'm being rewarded for that. That's great. Excellent. So that, that worked out. Uh, the pure coincidence, the universe working well together. But yeah, I basically, I... Having only looked at buttons, and I already made you do buttons as part of last week's homework, I probably shouldn't have done the extra credit bit, and then I would have had some homework to say you, but I did, and I painted myself into a corner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this is, I mean, I'll go through, I'll make buttons that say Twitter, Facebook, and Google, and they'll actually go to the ones for podfeed.com slash Twitter, Facebook, and Google+, and that way it'll it'll have meaning. It'll be totally different than what you did. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? Now you can. All right. Very cool. This was fun. I am really enjoying the heck out of Bootstrap. I see, uh, definitely see why you're in love with it. Excellent. Well, until the next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.